This is The Anatomy of Eloquence, a podcast that dissects the innermost workings of great communication. I'm your host, Nick, communication strategist, brand theorist, and resident didactic. For the last decade, I've been helping startups and CEOs reshape their communication with the world. I'm Andrew Yang, not the former presidential candidate, but I was a former presidential speechwriter. And for the past 10 years, I've worked with national leaders, public company CEOs, and startup founders on their communication. Hey everyone, welcome to the Anatomy of Eloquence, episode one. And this week, we're going to take a look at how to tell your story in a presentation. People like to tell you telling a story is important, but it's not about telling a story. It's about telling the right story. Today, I'm here with my co-host, Andrew. And Andrew, we've been working a lot with teams Mm -hmm. on how to build out their story when it's a pitch presentation or even a corporate presentation on stage. And recently, you've been reading a lot on this topic. Could you talk a little bit about some of the key things that you've been looking at recently? Yeah, one of the things that I came across recently is this essay by... Paul Graham. People call him PG. He's the founder of Y Combinator. And he has uh, this series of essays that he writes on entrepreneurship and even broader topics. Really recommend you look up his essays. One of the latest articles, which he wrote, I think in December 2020, was on earnestness. I mean, you don't see a lot of articles being written on earnestness when it comes to... It's not even a word that you hear people (laughs) use very often. (laughs) Yeah, he should have just titled it The Importance of Being Earnest. Yeah, there you go. But what he means, he believes that being earnest is a really important quality when it comes to founding a startup and telling people about it. Because and, And let me just quote what he says. He writes, when you call someone earnest, you're making a statement about their motives their motives. And the reason he writes motives matter so much in Silicon Valley is that so many people there have the wrong ones. Starting a successful startup makes you rich and famous. So a lot of people trying to start them are doing it for those reasons instead of things like interest in the problem for its own sake. I love this essay so much because in, I mean, you've seen this, right? We we coach hundreds of startups a year. And most of them, when they come into a room, they just either start by talking to you about a piece of technology that has patents on yeah, or they talk about a problem, but always in the technical sense. Yeah, it's like a very isolated problem that maybe yeah. only makes sense to a handful of people. Right. And I'm not sure if this is where you're going with it, but it always feels like, I don't know why you're working on this problem. Exactly. Even I can get on board that this needs to be solved or that this is really an interesting problem, but I don't know why you're the person who's going to fix this. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, I, I get that it's an important problem, but why do you care about it? Right. And you hear this a lot because from the cliche that investors invest in people in so much that they invest in companies. But a lot of times, either A, that founder story doesn't get told because someone is so hyper-focused on the features or the problem in their industry, or two, the story that's getting told doesn't seem directly connected as to why you're the person who's working on this specific problem. 
another reason why this is so important is because even when investors, for example, can get on board that this is a problem that needs to be tackled, mm-hmm. if they're not sure why you care about it, they're also not sure if when things get really hard, that you're the one that's going to persist. You're going to stick with the problem even when you're not taking salary for the third straight month, mm-hmm. right? right? Because there's a huge difference between someone who just wants to get rich yeah. and someone who genuinely cares about the problem so much that they're like, this is my life's mission hmm. to solve the problem. Now, obviously, the second person is not going to quit after three months of no pay. Right. But the first person might. The because first person, yeah. Counterproductive to what they're trying to <laughs> exactly. do, right? And then along comes Google or Facebook and says, hey, um, we'll pay you a crap load of money yeah. to come and be our coder, be, mm. be one of our engineers. You'll be like, oh yeah, hell yeah. So Nick, how do you think someone can talk about their motivation? When talking about your motivation is a lot of times for startups, you get into your founder story, even established companies, a CEO will go out and talk about their vision. But that story is always deeply tied to them themselves. And I think that our idea of what a story should be gets pretty heavily skewed by TED Talks. You know, since TED has become a standard of how a lot of people look at public presentation, they always think that you need to have this incredibly deeply personal, life-changing story tied to whatever you're talking about. But when we're looking at, say, Paul Graham's essay, that earnestness, or he actually talks about another word as well, to be naive, that when you're talking about what you do, it's actually that passion behind or that motivation behind why am I doing this? What's my intrinsic motivation to solve this problem and get it done? Right. And so what we want to talk about, it's not about telling a story. It's about telling the right story. And what we want to share throughout this podcast is how do you choose the right story? And what are my options for choosing a story that fits me? And we've actually boiled it down to three key stories. One is based on a conversation with a founder that you had recently, mm-hmm. who was the TechCrunch Startup Battlefield 2020 winner, Canix. And this is about being an industry insider. Another type of story that we've played quite a bit with is that expert story. Someone who has been in the field for years and is trying to talk about, or even more difficultly, summarize their experience into one idea that is their motivation for building a company. And the last one is that personal story. For someone who is deeply affected by a problem or deeply affected by an issue and that they went to go find a way to solve it because it hit them so hard. Now, for that first story, that industry insider, and you had a conversation with the TechCrunch Startup Battlefield winner 2020 when she pitched her company, Canix. And her story doesn't look at all like what you would expect out of a TED Talk or this personal in-depth story. No, not at all. It's actually a lot more straightforward, but it's equally effective in positioning her authority. Could you talk a little bit about your conversation? Yeah, we actually had, had that conversation during the COVID pandemic. Mm. I just kind of emailed her and she was so cool. She just said, yeah, sure, let's jump 
on a Zoom call. And so we just had a conversation where I asked her and she, what something that I wondered with her is how come she didn't even have a slide of her team? Right, which for a lot of startups is like standard, right? You need <laughs> yeah, to have exactly. your team slide in your pitch deck. Yeah, we all went to Stanford. So they have to put a logo of Stanford <laughs> yeah. or Harvard or another Ivy League school on it. And they have to put, uh, an, oh, and we also worked at Facebook yeah, or Google. Employee number seven at yeah. Facebook, SpaceX, and Uber. Or something exactly. Like and and so she and Stacy was her name. Stacy was like, well, if it comes down to a battle of resumes, we will not necessarily win. However, I wanted to tell people why we're doing this. And basically, she said they were working in the cannabis industry. And she was working, her particularly, was working for a cannabis software company in the Bay Area. And what she started seeing was that because the U.S. started legalizing cannabis, regulation was coming down on these farmers. And these farmers, because they had never dealt with this before, they didn't have very good software tools. Mm. They didn't have a comprehensive suite of software tools to help them uh, do their inventory, keep track of everything, and deal eventually deal with the regulation. So she said, well, if that's a problem, then somebody has to solve it. So she decided to solve it. She said, let me find the best coder, then let's go solve it. And that was the start. That was the birth of their company. Right. And it's actually, it's not your traditional passion about this problem founder no. story but it's very clean i think it's only about 15 seconds of her pitch yeah something like but that. it sets her in a position of authority i know this because i saw it firsthand hmm. and we've seen that with our own teams that we've been working with where it's the same thing in fact there was one company that we're working with that's developing ai solutions for small and medium enterprise and his backstory became i was working in nvidia and I saw firsthand the amount of money, the amount of resources, and the amount of manpower that it took to implement AI into a huge company where they have thousands of employees, millions of dollars in the bank. How in the world is an SME or a small business ever going to keep up? Especially because everyone agrees AI is the future. And right. so he decided to break out and go, I'm going to find a way to develop solutions that allow small businesses to implement AI with just a few clicks. Right. But his story is still back to is I saw this and I built this in major companies and I knew it wasn't going to be possible unless someone did something for small companies. Yeah. And if you, if you go back and look at these two examples, uh, first one, Canix, and second one, the one that's uh, producing AI tools for small businesses, they actually share pretty simple structure. Mm. And you can use uh, the structure to talk about your story. If you're also an industry insider, you've been in an industry for a while, you can simply say, I was working for X, X company, for example, on this topic. Here's what, what I was doing. Couple of simple sentences. And second, when I discovered this problem, I saw this problem coming up. And third, so I decided to build this thing to solve the problem. Three-part structure. The background, I was working on X. 
when I discovered this problem, and so I build a solution. Yeah, and this is definitely an example of where your story can be done in like less than thirty seconds, and still set you up in a very clear position of authority because you have that experience, you have that background, and you don't need to go into your resume resume style team slide or go into a horror historical background of why you understand yeah, no. this problem. It's just I was in the industry. I saw this firsthand, so I decided to tackle it. Yeah, that's right. Don't go, don't go crazy and put up like TED speakers. Put up a, a picture of your baby when you were in kindergarten、yeah. and start giving people your life story. Yeah.、Mm. So the first type of story was industry insider. The second type is an expert. If you're an expert who has been working on something for a long time, so expert takes the problems of the industry insider. Story and expounds it because experts know too much. They've been doing something for too long, and how do they boil down that story into something that's concise and relevant to the audience? Now, the first thing you usually see with someone's expert story is they go, "You should just believe me because I've been working in this industry for twenty years," and then that's it. But it doesn't really explain as to what their insight or what they want to build, how it's relevant to their experience. But a really good expert will talk about their experience and then build it into an insight. So an example I have that is actually the 2019 winner of TechCrunch startup Battlefield Render. And in the Render pitch, the CEO talks about his background. And he talks about he was one of the earliest, I believe, the seventh employee of Stripe. He was in charge of building up all the infrastructure to get the app hosted on the cloud and then into the users' hands. And that after he left Stripe, he kept doing this. He kept building apps and looking at hosting. But after doing all this work, he came to a very key insight, which is building apps is easy. Hosting is a nightmare,、mm. and so when he decided to build a company, it was on that part. He goes, "I've been doing the this for so long. I understand how to build apps in my sleep, but where I spent most of my time, I had to build most of my team and spend most of my resources. Is how do I host and distribute, and that that is the problem,、mm. and so that's how he built his company." Now, Andrew, you've told me a story of a similar one where an expert in a field, or someone people look at an authority in a field, turn around and go,、yeah. "I've been working on this for years, but it just took me until recently to come to the key insight that has changed the way I do things." Yeah, it's it was this pitch. It wasn't actually a pitch. It was just a it was a meeting where this oncology doctor. He was actually quite a famous oncology doctor. And、uh, he came back to Taiwan. I would say I forgot how many years ago, but he's he came back to Taiwan. He and he started putting his and it's his、uh, spare time and personal money as well、mm. to help train the next generation of medical leaders, healthcare leaders in Taiwan. He started recruiting basically the best students out of medical schools around the country, and started bringing in、uh, medical experts, doctors, practitioners. From all over the world to mentor these students, and after he said, I, I spent you know over ten years doing this, but then I realized one thing: I failed, 
and he just stopped. And people are like looking at him like, hmm? what do you mean you failed? Mm -hmm. He said, well, because I recruited the most brilliant, the most gifted students, but I didn't account for the most important trait in a care practitioner, the commitment to care. Mm -hmm. They genuinely care about the patients. You could have the best skills, you could have the best grades, but you may not actually care about people's health. And so he said he failed. So from that realization on, he changed the way he selected for people to train. Mm. Like I'm picking for commitment now. Right. But it, it took... I mean, he probably is simplifying in that story, but he's boiling it down to us for years. This is what I focused on and this is what I thought. Yeah, exactly. Until this insight popped up and I thought this changes everything. So it now changes what I do. Yeah. And the, what, what makes this I think, so valuable is that in most industries and in most disciplines, the really great insights sometimes take years of struggle, of observation, of really hard thinking to, to distill. And it really does help to create that very simple structure. So if we're looking at the anatomy of, say, telling an expert story, you get into very simple idea. For the past X number of years, I've been working on this topic. Hmm. And for years, I thought that the, the real problem or the answer to the, all the problems was this thing. But then I suddenly realized it's actually something else. I've had this insight. I've had this inspiration. So now that's what my focus is. Right. And it becomes a lot more compelling than just, you should believe me because I've been doing this for right. 30 years. And... One of the reasons that I really like talking about this moment of inspiration or the shift is because if your only position of authority is how long you've been doing it, there's always someone who's been doing it longer, yeah. right? Or there's always someone who is bigger. So talking about how your experience has now focused down to this, this key moment or this key insight mm. can really help someone understand where you're coming from. So let's take a look at the last style, which is actually the style that most people have probably been used to, but don't do it quite as effectively as they should. And that's how do you tell your personal story? Now, I remember in a lot of our trainings, you've shared one specific example of someone very effectively telling a personal story, but in a pretty concise amount of time. And that's sauna health. Right. Can you share a bit about the sure. sauna health pitch? Yeah. Sauna health, I actually found a, I found a video on YouTube. So you can go look for it. Just say sauna, S-A-N-A, -A, sauna health pitch. And the speaker gets on, well, the first thing you notice about him, he gets on stage in a wheelchair. And he basically opens with the story behind that wheelchair because he was on a work mission in a desert, but his Jeep flipped over and he was severely injured. He, he was paralyzed basically from the waist down. 
So he, like a lot of other people, started having chronic pains and really so severe pains where he had to take uh, painkillers. And I know that many of you have probably heard about the opioid crisis, where a lot of people are taking painkillers, they're getting addicted on these painkillers, and it eventually kills them. So he said he had a choice to make. He could either continue popping these painkilling pills until they killed him, or he could find a better way. And then he said, sauna health is that better way. Let me show you how it works. So what makes this effective as a personal story, and I actually remember it's probably less than a minute. Less than a minute. That he definitely. tells this empire. It's not that five minute chronological yeah. look in my history. And he's a slow speaker as well. So he's right. not like racing through this story. But he's really going... I suffered from this problem and getting into the depth of that suffering. So because I couldn't find a good solution, I decided to solve it by myself. And we've actually worked with another startup that went around this in a pretty similar way where they were developing a solution to combat catheter-induced infections. And... The founder is not a, has any kind of medical background, but he's actually a material scientist. But he starts out, his personal story talking about is that his grandmother had passed away due to complications from a catheter-induced infection. And that he was so deeply affected this, he thought about, okay, as a material scientist, and he was actually looking at, I believe, his PhD research and going, how do I solve this problem being who I am? And that's where his story came from. Because I lost a family member and it drastically made me rethink where the focus of my research was, I decided to take what I was doing and focus it towards fixing this problem. And it was that personal story rather than he wasn't a medical expert. He was actually deeply affected by something that happened. So yeah, once again, I think you can see that three-part structure. First, I suffered from this problem. Well, in this case, uh, with this, our second example, it was someone in their family suffering from that problem, mm. right? But me or my loved one suffered this problem for years. And second, it m- massively impacted my life in this way. So describe how it impacts you. Third, I couldn't find a solution. So I built one myself. So again, throughout all three types of stories, the industry insider, the expert, and the personal, you're basically explaining the context and talking about a problem either you saw as an industry insider, as an expert working on this thing for 10 to 20 years, or a problem that you suffered personally. Mm -hmm. And then how you either discovered an insight or struggled for a long time to build a solution, what that solution looks like. And I know that both of these examples are in the medical space, mm. simply because it's just easier, because we all know people, we all have family members, friends who suffer diseases, ailments right. that uh, you know affect not just them, but the people around them. So it's easy to come up with personal examples in the healthcare space, but you'd be surprised how Virtually any vertical and 
any space can lend itself to personal stories. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to talk about tragedy, right? Even though mm-hmm. tragedy sometimes move people uh, perhaps even better than happiness. But you can still talk about it. And, and this is, here's one way to talk about it. It's to focus on your personal passion. Mm-hmm. Because again, uh, people want to know why you care, right? And sometimes, honestly, we care about things that are a bit irrational. Like I love dogs. Yeah. And Nick loves cats. <laughs> so we're kind of rival, rival yeah. gangs. <laughs> and you don't have to be like, let me explain my love of dogs or cats to you rationally. Right. You can't do that. You're just like, mm-hmm. I love this. Just like some people love gaming. Right. And so if you're working, let's say, in gaming, you can just be like, I grew up as a gamer. This is what my life is about. Yeah. I remember that the CTO of Twitch was talking about his personal journey from why they switched from Justin TV, a general streaming platform, to Twitch TV's gaming, mm. because when they were you know, really hitting the wall for Justin TV, his personal is when he was down or depressed, he would just go home, and the only thing that he used the technology that he built for was to watch other people play video games. Mm. Like, that's just his way of stress relief and Mm. that turned into oh so maybe we should just do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i heard a term recently it's called dog fooding dog fooding yeah dog fooding is basically your your startup your company solves a problem that you have Mm. so you are the user and certain investors they really like dog fooding like i only invest in you if you're solving your own problem Right. Because you know the problem intimately. Mm. So yeah. Again, if it's a space, I, I like I really like that story because um it's almost like they return to it and it's a aha moment. Right. It's like, yeah, that's this is what I do. This is what gets me back into balance in my life. Mm-hmm. This is how I decompress. Right. And if they have that passion for this, well, if you have a passion for this then that's how you can start as well. And talk about it in a passionate way and then say, but actually there's a problem. For example, you love gaming mm-hmm. or you love watching other people play video games. Well, there are certain problems. Like it's not easy to do that. And right. probably before Twitch, there wasn't very good, uh, there wasn't a good way to watch people play video games and also interact socially on that platform. Right. And so, yeah, you end up with this a lot. Uh, One really big example of how people use their own personal itch or their personal ideas, look at crowdfunding videos. Most of the time, mega successful crowdfunding campaigns are based around a person who goes, I've been doing this forever. I'm really passionate about this thing. And there's just no option until I did this. So, for example... I've recently backed a company that's making a tea brewer that's effective as a personal coffee brewer because tea tends to be quite complicated to do tea well as far as like what's the temperature of the water, how long should you brew. And it was a person that said, you know, I'm tired of having to get out a timer, weigh the number of tea leaves, etc. I'm just going to make a machine that's as simple as your instant coffee brewer. And that's what they did and it turned out to have, you know, thousands of other people who went, yeah, that's how tea should be made. But it just came from his first personal problem. Like this is personally annoying to me. So I'm going to fix it. 
So it's literally like it, it sounded like he didn't really care whether millions of people bought it. Yeah, no, because he was solving a personal pain. It just turns out that uh, thousands of other people also had the same problem, or said, "Hey, I can really use that." Yeah, but a lot of these crowdfunding campaigns is just a person going, "All right, here's something that I really hate, or here's something that I really want to be able to do better." And so I made this thing, and then all my friends thought, "Hey, that's pretty awesome." So is anyone else interested?、Hmm. And then you end up with pretty successful campaigns.、Hmm. So we hope that you enjoyed. Sharing the three: the expert story, the insider story, and the personal story. And the next time that you're building out your presentation or pitch, don't tell a story; tell the right story. We'll see you guys next time.